Hey friends, this is Jeffrey Wu with the Health Via Modern Nutrition HVMN podcast. And today I'm really excited to speak with one of the, one of the cutting edge researchers trying to understand COVID-19 potential therapeutic routes and how that intersects with a topic we dearly care about, which is the ketogenic diet, that ketotic metabolic pathway, and how there might be an overlap here. So very excited to welcome Professor Samir Sukar from Italy onto the program. Professor Sukar, great to have you on the program. Thank you very much, uh, dear Geoffrey. Uh, we started in March uh, when there was the first COVID uh, invasion in Europe, in particular in Italy, the pandemic started uh, in Lombardy. And then just a few days after also in Liguria, I'm from Genova, Genova in the north of Italy, in the famous port from which Christopher Columbus <laughs> left for America. So uh, in our hospital, in our uh, university hospital, uh, uh, we had in that time, and now we have more than that one, that time, uh, a lot of um, COVID patients, uh, so uh, I, I started uh, with the protocol uh, with ketogenic diet, just because the, uh, just in, uh, in, that, uh, in that period, uh, one only paper was discussing about uh, the cytokine storm. Cytokine storm now is very well studied, it is well known, but uh, in March, uh, nobody was talking about it, uh, apart from uh, a researcher in England, Meta. He was talking about the possibility to uh, have a good treatment with immunosuppression. Very strange during a uh, virus uh, infection, but uh, it was talking about uh, um, this immunosuppression. So I, I, I was very interested about this. I am a nutritionist, a gastroenterologist nutritionist, uh, and uh, the chief of the uh, unit of uh, clinical nutrition in our university hospital. Um, I, I, I was very attracted by from this uh, mechanism uh, because uh, according to the epidemiological data, diabetes, uh, hypertension, and then later also obesity uh, was uh, uh, key factor, key key factors uh, for the the. the um, the prognosis and why this in that period uh, I, I was thinking what is the problem with diabetes during diabetes uh, uh, there is a, a, a inflammation but also then inflammation uh, chronic inflammation and po uh, in the cell are very strong uh, myeloperoxidase is strong so there is also a high availability of glucose in diabetes obviously in particularly when there is an infection uh, there is a, a tight modification of the metabolism because uh, uh, the immunocyte uh, also the hypoxia, but all the immunocyte could change and we are reprogramming very fast, very fast because there is this invasion. And when there is an invasion, a macrophage, the immune response, innate response, need energy, fast energy. And this fast energy could be done just only by glucose. Uh, because the organism need glucose for this. Even if the, the, the production of ATP is low, but uh, because uh, it could be better to use phosphorylation, oxidative phosphorylation. Oxidative phosphorylation needs uh, the mitochondria biogenesis. It's not fast. So the macrophage, when they need a lot of energy, they prefer glucose. In particular, I was very interested by what happened in the lung of COVID because uh, we had in that period only information of what's happened about uh, uh, the first uh, coronavirus uh, invasion, very hard, uh, the, the, 
uh, SARS, SARS was very, very hard in pneumonia. They destructed pneumonia and there was a mortality of 20, 30% in SARS. In SARS, uh, there was an invasion in, uh, in uh, the lung, in particular, the alveolus, a 82 cells were the first cells to be invaded by this virus. Then, immediately after, macrophage, which are quiescent in the alveolus, turn in macrophage M1. The macrophage M1 turn immediately their metabolism in a glucolysis, a very high glucolysis. They need a lot of glucose, as I told before. So when they start uh, this production, this use, for, this use of glucose, uh, they normally produ produce uh, cytokines, uh, in particular cytokines and interleukin sticks and many other cytokines, inflammatory cytokines, which call neutrophil, platelets, and so on. This is normal, normal reaction. Then after the infection is going to the second part when there is a second part of the infection and uh, the, the, the inflammation is going out, is finishing, uh, there are the turning from macrophage M1 to macrophage M2. The macrophage M2 uh, are anti-inflammatory and they are particularly desired. They desire a lot of fat in particular because they need this for their oxidative metabolism because macrophage 2, they produce in particular anti-inflammatory cells. But the, 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 the key point, uh, it was the, the macrophage M1 in people in particular with diabetes, with hypertension, with the obesity, that produce a lot, another, an overproduction of cytokine. So for this, for this uh, my, my hypothesis was we can do something to reduce the availability of glucose by means of some metabolic way, not uh, therapy, not uh, antibiotic, not antiviral, nothing. Only metabolic way. The metabolic way could help us, this was my hypothesis, to switch off the overproduction of cytokines by microphage one. So we started with the protocol. Meanwhile, we started with a uh, diet, uh, um, ketogenic diet, natural ketogenic yeah. diet. With, so uh, let me just pause you there and just, term, yeah. and just, just like give enough background in terms of kind of your thinking and also clarify for the audience who might not be as up to speed on cytokines and cytokine storms. So I think one of the interesting presentations or prognosis of COVID-19 is this, as you're referring to this upregulation of cytokine production, where it's almost like an overreaction of the immune system for that overreaction of the immune system, that overreaction of the inflammatory system ends up hurting the patient versus helping just even just focusing on cytokine storms, you know, are there other diseases where a cytokine storm is common? Where have we seen cytokine storms previously? And then just also on the practical level, obviously Italy was one of the first countries outside of China that was hard hit and rewinding back to February, March. I mean, that was definitely a scary time. So can you talk us through the cytokine storm, the definitions there a little bit more to give our audience a little bit deeper context? And also on the human side, uh, what was it like? What did it feel like being in Italy, being in, 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 a, in a practicing hospital? I'm sure you saw a lot of patients coming in and out. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, unfortunately passed away and died because of the disease. What was the atmosphere like on, on the human side? We have a, an old population. You know that uh, Italy and Japan, uh, uh, the people uh, are the, the nation with the oldest population in the world. In particular, in my region, uh, Liguria region, uh, there are about now 25% of people 
over 65 years old. And uh, the, the people is not really uh, in well condition. Uh, they, they, they reach, uh, they, they can be old and old, but uh, many of these are fragile. Fragile is uh, a condition in which the people have uh, a lot of problems, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and so on. All these conditions, if you put also malnutrition of the elder, because the elder are also sarcopenic, and if you want to, if we want to, to talk about sarcopenia, sarcopenia is a condition in which the muscles are reducing because they are not used. So you put together obesity and sarcopenia, so you have sarcopenia obesity. Moreover, diabetes uh, uh, is very, very, we have approximately 12% of the population uh, over 65 years uh, with, with diabetes. Uh, moreover, if you consider that during the infection, they, uh, the diabetes uh, uh, is going worse because uh, the glycemia is uh, increasing just for obviously the inflammation and uh, uh, this is very important to know for the people to control very well uh, the glycemia during the infection uh, when they have fever they must check more and more than before the glycemia because a good control of glycemia is very important this is another uh, another uh, condition that the people that are seeing me now must know very well to control, keep the tight control of glycemia is very important during this disease, but every, every time it's very important, in particular with COVID. In Italy, that we have a lot of uh, people uh, over 65, uh, in particular in some areas where uh, in Italy, the people live together uh, with the grandfather, grandmother, they have the families, uh, so many. So the young, probably, they, they were uh, asymptomatic uh, COVID uh, bringers. So uh, I think that the disease was spreading just during December and January like uh, now in August and September. In August and September, we, we have few cases, but that those cases are the same during uh, December and January. In December and January, we, we had strange pneumonias. A lot of people that have viral pneumonias, nobody knows why, very strange but probably they had COVID. So uh, you must know that from September to December, approximately 400,000 Chinese came for tourism in Italy. Moreover, uh, we didn't know very well that, that uh, the B phase evolution of the, the disease uh, uh, in that period, uh, produced uh, false information after one week that uh, you uh, are not, the, the fever is going down, uh, you think to be cured, to, to be out of the disease, uh, recover from the disease. Uh, differently, after uh, two, three days, uh, the fever increased, uh, and that was the problem for people with a storm, the cytokine storm. So, in my opinion, but uh, now I would, I would like to talk uh, of our study that started in March, uh, because we started with, we studied uh, during March, April, May, uh, June, uh, and in, at the end of June, uh, the, the, our committee approved the, 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 the trial, the randomized trial. We started with a diet, uh, a ketogenic diet. Uh, we have chosen ketogenic diet uh, just because there were not uh, a uh, guideline in COVID. If uh, 
people had diabetes, type 1, or other kind of diabetes, so we excluded uh, the people from this diet. But uh, after now, in September, we restarted with the protocol randomized control trial, and uh, probably we will have better data, better numbers. I can, I can say to you that uh, in the period from March to August, uh, we have uh, approximately 36 patients. Uh, we were very well studied. We excluded uh, other uh, 25 patients because uh, uh, they left the diet and so on. But with, with the 36 patients, were were compared uh, with the 68 patients similar in the population of the hospital, according to propensity score. I have to say that propensity score, statistical technique in which the people, even if they are not randomized, could be randomized after the people, in example, are chosen for the eight for the age, for the weight, for the characteristic of inflammation. So we used the 36 patients who were studied and who entered in the protocol, in the routine ketogenic diet protocol in the infectious disease unit. And after, during August, were compared to the patient of the same hospital uh, who were not on this type of diet. Hey guys, this is Jeff Wu interrupting my podcast for a special offer, a special announcement for you. As you might know, HVMN just launched the new Keto Food Bar and they're yummy, they're delicious, and I wanna make a special personal offer for you to give you a discount to get those into your hands. So for a limited time only, use the discount code JEFF10. That's G-E-O-F-F number one, number zero. JEFF10 for a 10% discount on the Keto Food Bar on HVMN.com. We got Mexican hot chocolate, one of my personal favorites. We got vanilla shortbread, we got chocolate chunk, and of course, we got the everything bagel, which is legit savory, garlicky, oniony. And these have become staples in my own personal life. I like to eat this with a cup of coffee for breakfast. I've been using the Mexican hot chocolate, the vanilla as grab and go bars when I'm biking, when I'm out on the town, when it's not easy for me to eat healthy, eat keto. So these are certified organic. They actually are yummy. They aren't these weird synthetic artificial tasting bars you might see that are keto compliant but have a bunch of fake IMOs and things that actually spike glycemic response. And of course, while they're also certified organic and they actually taste good, these have been tested on continuous glucose monitors, so they actually have flat glycemic response on your blood sugar. So essentially, it's a, a fasting mimetic, but we're still delivering almost 300 calories of healthy fat and 12 grams of healthy protein and grass-fed collagen. These are legit. I'm so excited for you to try them and use my personal discount code JEFF10 to get a special 10% discount. So check it out and enjoy and back to the program. Can I just ask a question yeah. for clarification? So yeah. the main intervention was the ketogenic diet. So was the control group just eating the standard Italian hospital food? And what is that typical macronutrient breakdown? So question one, and then question two for clarification is that I imagine that there was also other standard of care, potentially prescription drugs, pharmaceuticals. I was also used in adjunct. Did you isolate out only a ketogenic diet as an intervention or were there other drugs, other interventions uh, applied in parallel? Now, uh, the first question, yes, uh, or in the other part of the hospital, uh, the other patient uh, followed the standard diet, the standard Italian diet, everything uh, in Italian Mediterranean diet, but they were in the other part of the hospital. According to the second question, yes, of course, uh, 
the patient were following all the therapy that were used for every patient. They have antiviral treatment, they have normal treatment, uh, and experimental treatment uh, the same. The difficulty to uh, compare the standard diet uh, with all the other therapies uh, in therapies were on the uh, group uh, of the studied group uh, with ketogenic diet. After this, because we have uh, approximately 618 uh, patients studied uh, during all the period in our hospital. So we can, we could choose uh, 68 patients that were compared to the ketogenic diet. We extract all the patient just uh, that have the same characteristic, the same inflammation, the same therapy, so that uh, we, I, I consider it the randomized study of the poor, <laughs> but it's not of the poor, obviously. The randomized study uh, according to, uh, it's a retrospective study, obviously this, but a retrospective study uh, with propensity score. It is very well accepted uh, nowadays uh, uh, for uh, considering retrospective study. Normally, supportive care is our uh, treatment. Uh, with this uh, differently, we uh, consider a physiopathological treatment. What happened? Uh, we, we have good results. Uh, you can see that we chosen the patient, 68 patient uh, versus 34 ketogenic diet. And the age was similar, the sex was similar, the comorbidities was similar, no differences in this. Uh, biological parameters uh, were similar, exactly similar, the keto diet and the standard diet. And these are the results, 30-day mortality, which is quite uh, significant. The, the same in the admission in ICU. We have a reduction in the admission in ICU. We have a, a reduction in mortality. And uh, moreover, there is uh, a variation in the interleukin before and after uh, the ketogenic diet. This is very, very interesting because uh, the reduction of the interleukin proved that uh, the value of the interleukin uh, is uh, reduced uh, for the reducing of glucose disponibility and availability to the macrophage. Obviously, we have to be very careful because there is some contraindication on the ketogenic diet, type 1 diabetes mellitus, type 2 diabetes treated with insulin, derivative sulfonylurea, Secreta GOG, analog GLP-1, GLP-2 inhibitors, recent acute cardiovascular event, food allergies, and many metabolic rare disorders or pregnancy, pancreatitis, liver failure. It's very important to know this contraindication because if not, there is some danger of use. Uh, of ketogenic diet, obviously. The ketogenic diet that we used, uh, obviously, was a, a normal caloric diet. Uh, you must remember that use, usually we use ketogenic diet for uh, weight reduction. It's not a very low calorie, it's not a low calorie ketogenic diet. It's only eucaloric, we call eucaloric or normal caloric ketogenic diet. So it's isocaloric to the control standard hospital food. Exactly. And then exactly. that would be helpful for our audience to understand, you know, what did that food look like? Was it a lot of animal fats to make? So what was the fat ratio you were targeting? Were you targeting 70% calories from fat? And then were you measuring blood ketone levels to confirm ketosis? No, we have no problem with triglyceride difference. There was no difference, uh, differences in triglyceride uh, at the end of the study. That, uh, you have to know that now we are started with a randomized control study. Uh, randomized control study. 
uh, and uh, many other uh, parameters will be considered in, in the next future. But we have to understand uh, that in our first uh, study, the preliminary data are not different uh, from the standard diet uh, to the ketogenic diet. So maybe repeat the question just for clarification. Did you test blood ketone levels? In the kitchen, yes. Uh, arm. So, so, sorry, just, what what kind of blood test do you consider now? Uh, blood BHB to confirm ketosis. Were they zero point five ah, ketosis, BHB? Yes. Was they it one point oh BHB? Two point oh? How yes, deep in ketosis they, were sorry, they? Sorry, I tried to. No, no, they were in ketosis, uh, but we used the uh, urinalysis. Uh, this uh, got it. Uh, is quite uh, acceptable. We prefer to use now hydroxybutyrate rate uh, in the, the blood because it's better, hydroxybutyrate in the blood. No, that's helpful. So you used urine, so acetoacetate urine test to confirm ketosis. And then in terms of the diet itself, what kind of ketogenic diet was it? So did you target a certain macronutrient ratio of fat? Was it a mix of vegetables, meat, like what, what actually was the food or was it? Seeds? Yes. We, we tried to use a Mediterranean ketogenic diet. Got it. Um, so a lot of ketogenic. olive oil. Yes. A lot of olive oil, approximately 80 grams of olive oil. In particular, we used uh, approximately 500 grams uh, of uh, uh, fish uh, or 400 grams of meat and the cheese. We used a lot of vegetables. We used a lot of nuts. Those nuts are very interesting because they uh, bring, uh, they, 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 they give uh, a lot of omega-3 precursor. The actual Mediterranean diet uh, used also nuts because after the pre-med study, the pre-med study is a very famous pre uh, epidemiological study about Mediterranean diet. Uh, the pre-med diet uh, included 500 people. From the pyramid study, we prefer to use nuts, about 30, usually 30 grams of nuts per day. With our ketogenic diet, we reached approximately six to, uh, six, uh, 60 uh, grams per day of nuts. Right? So it's very important to use this just also because uh, there were a problem of compliance. The compliance of the Italian uh, uh, with ketogenic diets is very hard, uh, in particular when they were uh, in the bed and during the disease. Uh, yeah. It was evolution, like a bounty. Yeah, I, 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 my sense is that as people and as companies and as people figure out how to properly eat ketogenic, you can, it's, it's quite, I think it, the compliance is improving a lot over time. I think when people talked about compliance 20, 30 years ago, it sounded crazy socially and also just very hard to consume that much fat. But I think just given better understanding of how you can make high fat, low carbohydrate food, it seems that compliance is better than ever. One important thing to talk about is for your three primary endpoints, you looked at mortality, you looked at admission to ICU, you looked at interleukin six levels. So in the data, you, it says that we did not reach statistical significance. Yes, exactly. So that's, that's was that because that uh, you didn't have, we didn't have enough end, uh, population size? Was it not powered enough? Was it, you, do you think that it would have reached significance if we had longer end sample size? Or is this just statistical noise? How, how do you respond to that? And is it because you're now you're doing a second study that's more formalized, more controlled? Hopefully we get statistical significance. Yes, we have to be very honest. The problem is that in July, uh, the pandemia in Italy uh, kicked down, stopped. So we didn't have any other patient. When I decided to collect the data and start to the analysis, I, I didn't know that. Uh, I hope that uh, the, the pandemia will not spread uh, in uh, October. If not, probably uh, we didn't start uh, to analyze the data. 
I started to analyze the data because uh, I didn't uh, can read the future. And there, that's why I started with this preliminary evaluation. If not, all our um, efforts uh, could be lost. The problem, the weakness of the study is that we reach a, a almost statistically significant, but uh, we have this weakness that uh, we couldn't uh, uh, add more data because the exper experiment, this was not an experiment, uh, it was experience, uh, stopped. So uh, for honesty, we we decide to write the paper now we are uh, we are going to send the paper to be evaluated for the publication with this weakness of the power we have the power little because we have only six, 36 patients obviously but uh, we we are going now with the randomized control trial and luckily in this moment we have a lot of patients tomorrow we'll be uh, lockdown uh, once more in particular our region will be a new lockdown and we don't know really when we'll be finished with this problem because uh, I don't know really if uh, the vaccine will be helpful uh, I hope to but it's very difficult to to think that coronavirus if you, if you consider that an example I had uh, in the in in, uh, I had the disease uh, in uh, February, the end of February, and thank God uh, I use this uh, not ketogenic because uh, I don't usually use ketogenic diet. I usually eat uh, a lot of fish, uh, a lot of vegetables, a lot of olive oil and fruit. Obviously, in that period, uh, I didn't have a good appetite. Moreover, after uh, I lost all my appetite, I have algeusia, that in that period, nobody considered it like a, a very important symptoms, a symptom of COVID. COVID-19 uh, is a terrible disease according to the pleasure of the kitchen because uh, after 15 days you lose uh, in the 30% uh, the pleasure of taste every kind of food uh, and smell for a long time. Moreover, I used also to introduce also arginine. Uh, usually I use arginine because it's about 33 years or four years that uh, I add powder for arginine uh, just to improve uh, Nitrous oxide. Uh, nitrous oxide, exactly. Usually I do. So I make a lot of sport. Uh, I running every day, 15 minutes uh, on the treadmill uh, before going to work. Uh, that is very important. We have to consider that the COVID-19 could be defeated also with this. Uh, obviously, very important is the sun. Uh, usually, I go during all my time uh, in the mountains to run. And so, I have a lot of sun exposure. And this is very important for vitamin D. Yep. Many um, old people forget it. Uh, forget to do this. Uh, it's terrible. If you remember, when one century ago, all the people who have tuberculosis uh, stay all the day under the sun. Uh, we have uh, forgot that uh, the sun is very important for all the disease, all the infectious disease, because uh, vitamin D make modify the receptor of the cells, in particular in tuberculosis, uh, and can control the infection, just uh, improving the receptors. Yeah. So vitamin D, sun exposure, physical activity more than sport. Uh, physical activity is less than sport. Sport it could be dangerous because hard sport uh, increase uh, uh, oxidation, uh, produ production of superoxides and so on. Uh, physical activity is good. The animal doesn't make sport. They prefer physical activity every day. <laughs> and we must consider this. Uh, so considering my experience, uh, 
I can say that uh, even if uh, ketogenic diet is not, it could be also not necessarily obliged for people uh, with diabetes in particular, a very low intake of glucose and carbohydrates is very useful for these people during uh, COVID-19. So even if uh, we can't reach uh, the ketosis, uh, in my opinion, a very, very tight control of glycemia and a very tight control of intake of, uh, of glucose is very important. Yeah, 100% agree with you in terms of directionally, I think this is a very sensible nutritional adjunct. I think your experience, you know, in, the, in, in a hospital, as patients are coming in, as patients are dying, I think it's also helpful for our audience to understand how hard it is to run a clinical trial through an actual pandemic with actual people's life on the lines. And I think it's sometimes very easy for people on the sidelines saying, Hey, they should have gotten statistical significance or why didn't they do all these other things? And you have to realize that these are real people with real families. People are dying. It's not always super easy to you know, run a rat experiment where you can have a thousand rats, put them in completely separate boxes. And then, you know, completely, you know, chop them apart to look at every single organ, every single tissue. These are real humans. Yeah. You can't do all of that aggressive intervention there. Um, so I mean, my sense here is that clearly a cleaner diet with lower refined carbohydrate intake seems very sensible in terms of what you're referring to in terms of just like glycemic control, especially because of all the comorbidities with insulin resistance, diabetes, obesity, all have some root cause with overconsumption of carbohydrate or glucose. So I think even just minimizing or reducing refined carbohydrate intake seems very sensible. And I think at least this is a positive sign that all things the same in terms of standard of care, potentially trying a ketogenic diet probably will not harm the patient unless there's of course, like the very clear contraindications. But in terms of like what, what I do personally, if I had COVID, I would definitely very strongly consider going very strict on a ketogenic diet, given the data I've seen. I think your work here wasn't statistically significant, but was directionally interesting enough where I don't see a lot of risk, but I could potentially see a lot of benefit from eating a ketogenic diet. So hope you are able to collect more data and have a more definitive standard of care that we could potentially update across hospitals around the world. Cause I think it's still a very open question, open challenge of what is the best standard of care to help support uh, our, 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 really our civilization, all, like the human tribe. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. So looking forward, you know, as you're looking at a second clinical trial to study this more in, in, in depth, any other practical tips and takeaways from Italy, from your also personal struggle through COVID? I'm excited to see the potential and the additional data around a ketogenic approach to resolving upper respiratory diseases. And I think the cytokine storm theory is a very interesting mechanism that we can target. And I think it sounds like exactly like the, the study that you've shown is a very positive first step for the scientific community to really understand cytokine storms acute respiratory, respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS is another synonym or related concept to cytokine storm. I think the ketogenic approach is potentially very, very helpful there. So hopefully, you know, your work there continues to, sh to shine light on this scientific pathway. As we wrap up here, any other interventions you are particularly excited about? Any other practical takeaways and tips? I know that sunlight, making sure vitamin D status is robust, some physical activity, moving around, obviously consider a nutritional component. Anything else you, you have observed within your clinical practice, treating and talking to patients that seems to bode better for outcomes? Any other patterns, any other hypotheses or experiments to consider? Yes, we will try. If I had another possibility to make another study, I would, I would, I would like to use also hydroxybutyrate. Hydroxybutyrate, because there are very interesting studies of Bradshaw and other people that suggest uh, that uh, this uh, ketone uh, could be useful just for uh, the breathing. Yes, they good improving uh, 
and the, the, the breast after intake of uh, hydroxybutyrate. It would be very useful to start, and now we're starting now just with the um, experimental treatment with hydroxybutyrate uh, in rehabilitation of uh, COVID-19, because you must consider that uh, after COVID-19 uh, um, ICU, the, the recovering in ICU for COVID-19, there are a lot of dysphagia, uh, dysphagia and uh, respiratory defeats, uh, defeats that uh, we are trying to study. Uh, I started uh, just with a little protocol, a, now a, a protocol with uh, a pneumologist, uh, uh, just to evaluate uh, the usefulness uh, of hydroxybutyrate intake, uh, just for evaluating uh, the, the respiratory function. Yeah, no, Other I think that's exciting hypothesis, right? Ex so, you know, beta-hydroxybutyrate, exogenous ketones. Exactly. I, I think that would be exciting to see whether the benefit of the ketogenic diet is from the restriction of carbohydrate, restriction of glucose, or is it an actual benefit of ketones themselves? My suspicion is that it's a little bit of both, but your study will actually be definitive or at least help give us real data to adjust our hypotheses, adjust our thinking here. So that's an exciting prospect. And just for this, uh, we started with a collaboration for uh, evaluate only hydroxybutyrate uh, in the, the, the blood because useful. Many kids uh, evaluate uh, only acetoacetate, uh, which is not very useful in controlling ketogenic diet, you know, because ketogenic diet started um, a lot later, not really later, but later than the control of ketoacidosis. But ketoacidosis is completely another uh, word. Uh, we have really to... Uh, differentiate uh, ketoacidosis and ketosis. I, I saw just uh, two months ago a terrible paper written uh, considering that ketosis is uh, a disease complicating COVID-19. I, I think it was crazy the people who have written this because ketosis compare with uh, uh, with ketoacidosis, uh, it's a nonsense. Uh, ketosis is ketosis. Ketoacidosis is a complication of diabetes. Uh, with acidosis, with ketosis, but not uh, the disease caused by ketosis. Ketosis is a normal physiological increase of ketones, and ketones are probably one of the most important energy suppliers of the of the body uh, from uh, uh, all the animals during uh, fasting, as you know. So um, to use ketones is normal for many animals like cats uh, that use a lot of ketones uh, because they, are, they don't have carbohydrates in their food, you know, and their liver is particularly used to use the ketones and most of our, uh, our, our brain uh, is using ketones and muscles after two days, after three days, so we don't have problems. Obviously, the problem is that uh, we have to consider a ketogenic diet uh, also in, the, in, a, in an health manner. And if you consider that uh, fat, uh, most of the fat uh, are dangerous. Our fat are dangerous uh, if uh, the intake uh, is high, in particular saturated fat. So we have to choose uh, a ketogenic diet, uh, a Mediterranean type of ketogenic diet. But if we use the, a Mediterranean type of ketogenic diet, uh, we are going uh, to the same good uh, uh, wellness guidelines uh, of using a normal, uh, well-equilibrated uh, um, 
normal glucidic, normal caloric diet. We studied uh, in particular the, the, the people uh, with uh, epilepsy, they need for a long time uh, ketogenic diet, eucaloric ketogenic diet. We studied people with uh, deficit of GLUT2, that is a transporter of glucose, so they are obliged to follow ketogenic diet for all their life. I have a lot of epileptic uh, patients. Uh, they had uh, uh, epilepsy, uh, drug-resistant epilepsy. In drug-resistant epilepsy, ketogenic, eucaloric, Mediterranean diet does not provoke an increase of uh, triglyceride and cholesterol. They have the same value of uh, normal people. Uh, but uh, you have to consider that uh, in the long period, uh, uh, we have to choose very good uh, and equilibrated source of fats. That's uh, the problem of a good uh, ketogenic diet. If you eat uh, all the day meat uh, from veal, meat and not fish uh, or eggs uh, or uh, cheese, probably you will have problems. Now we have problems uh, discussing about uh, fat from cheese and fat from meat. Uh, in Europe, uh, we consider that, in particular in Holland and the Netherlands, uh, they consider that uh, there are a lot of studies uh, about the, the, the utility of uh, fat from cheese, uh, better than the fat from uh, cows and so on. Anyways... Yeah, no, I think that's a very exciting area of research where the animal saturated story, I think the more traditional heart cardiovascular doctors would say, Hey, you know, be careful of over consumption of saturated fat. But I would exactly. also say there's new studies that suggest that saturated fat alone or LDL alone is not predictive or causative of cardiovascular disease risk. So I think it's a little bit of an open academic debate in terms of is saturated fat truly causative of, of uh, cardiovascular disease risk? But I, I think I agree with your, your, your core point there, which is that there is still more work to be done in terms of understanding the optimal fat ratios as you're deciding a diet, especially a ketogenic diet, where you're obviously up increasing the amount of fat one is consuming. Uh, but in general, at least it sounds like there is some directional data here that going on a ketogenic diet is likely going to be at least neutral, if not potentially helpful for a COVID-19 about. So uh, on, on that front, that's, you know, something that I think more people should know about. And I think I know that a lot of people on Twitter, on social media who are in the low carb community have speculated on potential benefit of ketogenic diet or ketones for COVID-19. And I, but I haven't really seen people actually do the work, collect the data. And my understanding, I don't know if, you know, if, if, if this is correct, but it sounds like you might have collected the first data on really trying to see if there's some relationship or some benefit there. So if that is the case, that is very exciting from, a, you know, leading the charge from a scientific front, as well as just answering questions. I think end of the day, I think the world just wants to know, you know, what is the best diet for a COVID-19 course? And if it doesn't work, then great. We know that we don't need to use a ketogenic diet. If it does work, then we could potentially help a lot of people here. So keep up the good fight. To your knowledge, are there other people looking and actually running studies? Or are you one of the early leaders here? And then two, yeah, what, what are the thoughts of, of your colleagues? And excited to see when this gets published through, because it'll be interesting to see if the journals will accept it, given the low power. But hey, I think this information is still useful. In, in practice. Yes, there are uh, other possibilities. You must consider that COVID-19 eh, is a fight against a disease that interests the people, also malnourished people. You must consider that the people is malnourished must be controlled with uh, hypercaloric. That I don't think that during uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, we have to use uh, hypercaloric diet, uh, in particular uh, when the people is in the ICU. The ICU guidelines nowadays suggest uh, not a hypo, but quite hypocaloric diet. A very interesting area is the control of microbioma. 
microbioma, uh, it could be very interesting because probably microbioma could uh, modify the immune the immune response uh, from the, the 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 lung because uh, microbioma interfere uh, interferes uh, with the uh, immune response. Uh, this in a in a really very interesting, but nobody knows really about this. There are some studies, some uh, which are considering a modification of microbioma with TGF beta. Uh, it could be very interesting, this, uh, but they are still uh, in the uh, starting. Uh, according to the other studies, it's very important uh, to consider also the choice of the proteins. In particular, uh, in my opinion, uh, whey proteins, uh, uh, like supplements, uh, which are very useful for malnourished people, and when we are going to 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 use an enteral nutrition or supportive nutrition, in particular in sarcopenic patient, all the sarcopenic patient might be supported also uh, with whey protein that uh, are very rich of, as I told before, uh, brain chain amino acids, but even because they have a good. Uh, uh, content uh, of uh, glutamine. Uh, glutamine is very important uh, during infection. Uh, glutamine is useful for uh, alternative route uh, of uh, gluconeogenesis, but also for production of substances uh, uh, during uh, during the, the the production of membranes and so on. Yeah, I, I think it's clearly like a lot of work to be done in terms of the best nutritional protocol to help prevent and use as a nutritional adjunct for the recovery from COVID. So maybe to wrap up here, you know, what are you most excited about, whether it's your current research thread in terms of studying the ketogenic diet directly, looking at exogenous ketones, um, those two topics. And then if there is a place where people, our listeners can follow your work? Are you on social media or how do people follow along and see the publications as your work comes out? Uh, if they want to, to check my publication, you can find on nutrition, yes, uh, where I publish the hypothesis. I don't know where now we are going to print uh, the next uh, paper that uh, it is ongoing. I think in the same uh, nutrition uh, journal. I have a page uh, where usually I can um, communicate. Uh, it's my page on Facebook. Uh, and uh, moreover, obviously, there are other ways to communicate uh, by means of our society, the Italian Society of Clinical Nutritionists. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to walk through and share your experience, both on the front lines, as well as pushing our understanding of met metabolism, cytokine storms, and COVID-19. It's really important work, and thank you for sharing. I apologize from, for them inconvenience, uh, in particular in my accent or in my English, <laughs> but uh, I, help, I hope that uh, I could be understood by everybody. 100%. Yeah, ultimately, I think the ideas and the science principles are the, what's most important. So that definitely came through and your passion or excitement here definitely came through. So again, Professor Sukar, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. See you. Bye.